0: It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. <laughs> You're listening to Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now crank it up and rip the knob. Off. Boy, that
1: escalated quickly. Podcast partner of Philly is Flyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. I am your host, Mark Gino, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, um, the dynamic to my duo, I guess, if that makes any sense, from uh, way down in the nation's capital, Mr. Dan Silver. Dan, what's going on, buddy? What's going on, Mark?
0: No, that actually didn't really make much sense, but I think the viewers are going to get the gist of it, you know? It's It's the effort that counts for things like that. That's
1: what I think, too. Um, So it's been a while since we've actually done this. The last time me and you spoke was in Jetro's parking lot for the last game of the Flyer season. And um, one big change has happened since then. Scott Gordon, no longer the head coach. And enter former Canucks, former Rangers, and I'm sure I think there was another team in there. Former Canadians. Former Canadians, Uh, head coach Elaine Vigneault, who is now the bench boss of the Flyers. Look, everyone, not everyone, I don't want to say everyone, there was a lot of people on Twitter, obviously, that were pissed off because it wasn't the big name. It wasn't the name we all wanted. We all wanted um, Joel Quenville. He obviously went to Florida because, you know, Talon's down there running the show. It brought him into Chicago, so I guess it was familiar Familiar situation for him. So the Flyers get Vino, not the choice that most people would have wanted, but it's the choice that we got. And when I heard it at first, I was like, oh, okay. Then I started doing some research because what the hell do I know about Elaine Vino and his coaching career? And then you look at it and you remember the cup run with the Rangers, you remember the cup run with the Canucks, and it's a guy that when you put good players with him can do a lot with the team. So I think the Flyers, you know. I wasn't thrilled about the Hackstall hiring back when they did that because I didn't know how the college coach was going to adjust to the NHL. Obviously, it wasn't a good adjustment. And Scott Gordon was just kind of on the fly, and he just needed to get the Flyers to the end of the season. Vino, I'm happy with the hiring, and I expect big things from him with this team in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, you know, once Joel Quenville went to Florida, and as you mentioned, a lot of it had to do with his relationship with Dale Tallon the uh, the GM there. And I think a lot of it had to do with just the location. It sounds like Quenville's ready for a warm weather location. He's a big horse racing guy, which we'll get into a little bit uh, later on with the Kentucky Derby this weekend. But, um, you know, he's probably going to live close to Gulfstream Park, which is a, a really beautiful racetrack. So it was just a good fit for him. And then when you, you started looking at who else was out there, there weren't a lot of big names out there. And I think that The first thing you have to keep in mind is that after the Flyers had their failed experiment with Dave Haxtell, I think that Chuck Fletcher wanted to go the completely opposite direction, right? Like one of the guys that a lot of people were talking about was Sheldon Keith, who's the head coach of the uh, Toronto Marlies, the Toronto Maple Leafs AHL affiliate. And he's really well respected. He's done great things with that team. He's very innovative. He's an analytics, advanced stats guy. And I think that a lot of Flyers fans would have been happy with him. But the reality is that after the Hacksaw experiment, that just wasn't going to happen again. They were going to bring in an experienced coach. And so you're looking at, you know, maybe guys like Dave Tippett were mentioned. uh, Dan Bilesma, who would have been a disaster. So, you know, when you you consider the fact that they are going to go with an experienced coach, I think that Elaine Vigneault is probably one of the best guys out there. Now, I've got a lot of friends who are Rangers fans from my time living in New York who are just basically saying, oh, this guy's terrible. He, uh, he fell apart the final season. He was giving older guys like Dan Girardi too much ice time and not playing the the young kids like Buknevich. Um, but, you know, you dig in a little deeper, and he's. I think that most of the young kids that he wasn't playing in various spots probably just weren't that good. And the Girardi thing was a little uh, troublesome, but, you know, I, I think that when you look at the, the the scope of work and the way that his teams play, his teams kind of play a run-and-gun style. His goaltenders, he was blessed with having Roberto Luongo in his prime in Vancouver and Henrik Lundqvist in his prime in New York. So he's had good goaltenders, and he's probably going to have that again with, with Carter Hart, fingers crossed. And his teams play up-tempo uh defensemen activating and a lot of run and gun, a lot of shots for, a lot of shots against. I think that the Flyers young defense core is going is going to be a good fit for what Vigneault wants to do. You've got guys like Ivan Provorov, Shane Gostisbehere, Travis Sanheim, uh Phil Myers, all of whom are very good skaters and will be able to skate up the ice with the puck. Uh I, you know, is I don't think there were any perfect fits out there after after Quenville. So we give him a chance. The funny thing is during his press conference, I mean, he is a smooth operator, which you hear you hear a lot from uh, previous reporters that covered him, that he's he comes off a little bit like a not a used car salesman, but he comes off. I was comparing him to Don Draper from mad men who he actually i think he actually looks like don draper a little bit he's just very smooth you feel like he could talk you into anything and it remains to be seen if the substance can match with with the talk because when i'm watching his press conference i i got a kind of like a skeezy vibe from him that he's just a smooth operator um who probably doesn't communicate that well with players and that's been one of the uh one of the criticisms with him is this, he's, sometimes he's not a great communicator. Scott, Dave Haxtell was not a good communicator. Scott Gordon was a good communicator with the players. They always knew where they stood. With Vino, it seems like he teaches his systems, and if you're in his doghouse, he's just going to bench you. He's not going to play you as much. He might not explain to you why. So, you know, look, Noah's perfect. I think that he, he's a relatively good fit with the personnel that the Flyers have. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think that there's certainly hope. You've got a guy that got two different teams in the Stanley Cup Finals and had a winning season, winning record for almost all of the seasons that he was in the NHL. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the hire.
1: I mean, when you put it like, you got to just kind of put it like this. It, it really all boils down to, and this is what I said after the, the hiring was made, is that, yeah, you could, you know, you, you could say all you want about the guy that... The coach that you're getting but ultimately a lot of it boils down to the roster and the players that you're putting with him because uh, you could have scotty bowman out there and it's not going to matter if you don't have good enough players that that he's going to be coaching so elaine vigno look there there was you're right there was no perfect candidate out there there was no guy that's going to come in and completely turn the Flyers around, completely change their fortunes, and it's going to have them winning a Stanley Cup immediately. But this, I think that this is the best option that they had, given what's available right now. You don't want, you you didn't want to see them bring in another guy, another experiment, or a guy trying to figure it out as he's going along. And this is an experienced guy. This is a guy that, yeah, look, I'm with you on the whole skeezy thing. Um, I've kind of always thought that about him. When I saw, when, whenever he would come in with whatever team he was coaching, I'd look at the guy and I'm like, yeah, there's something, there's something not, there's something off about him. But if nothing else, I guess we'll get entertaining um, press conferences for once instead of, you know, Dave Hackstall just kind of deer in the headlights kind of look. Scott Gordon, I don't know. Outside of the beanpot trot, he doesn't have the most personality either. So uh, it, you know, it is what it is at this point, point. and we have to. As fans, and I say this all the time, but as fans, we can't really do much about, the, we can't do anything about the decisions that are made, and he's in there now, and we it's for better or worse at this point. He's going to get, you know, I guess at least two, three years, and right now it's more on Chuck Fletcher than it is on Elaine Vigneault, because Chuck Fletcher, we've said this time and time again, this is the offseason for him to put the Flyers on the right track and get them in the convert as. Not like, not like maybe they will, maybe they won't make the playoffs. like they have to go into next season as like, yes, this is a playoff team, 100 percent, and then once Scott once um Chuck Fletcher has a good off off season, once he brings in talent, then that's when the weight shifts to Elaine Venial to, okay, here you go. We put we put you together a nice team. Now it's up to you to get them to where we need them to be. Now it's on you to get them to the net to that next step that we've been talking about the Flyers getting to. And Giroux's not getting any younger. Borachek's not getting any younger. And you have the starting goalie finally. So if if the Flyers are ever going to really, really make a run for a Stanley Cup, it's got to be, and I know we're going to say it again, but it's got to be within the next two years because it's not like the window's opening anymore. It's not getting any bigger. If anything, it's going to just kind of stay cracked for a little bit before it starts to open, once the young players come up, but you, you want you want Claude Giroux, you want Jake Voracek for all the blood, sweat, tears that they put into this team over the years. You want them to win the Stanley Cup. So in the next two, three years, I, I really would like to see that happen. I, I, I think everybody else would too, and I think Vino could be the guy to do it. And Chuck Fletcher's just got to get the team around him to do it. well, their clearly
0: their intent is to try and win a Stanley Cup next season. I mean, I, I, I don't think that there's any, you know any two bones about it I mean the Chuck Fletcher said we are going to do whatever we can this offseason to put a team on the ice that can win a cup and you've got Claude Giroux and you've got Jake Forachek and you've got Sean Couturier and James Reemsdyke and these are some of the older guys that you're building around and so you look at the situation the Flyers are in so they've got 32 million dollars of cap space right now if you buy out Andrew McDonald Which I think there's a fairly high chance that they're gonna do that. You're gonna be up around 35 million in cap space. You probably have to budget about 20 million of that cap space to sign your restricted free agents. You're talking about Scott Lawton, Travis Konechny, Ryan Hartman, Ivan Provrov, and Travis Sandheim. So you're probably budgeting $20 million, So that's going to take you down to about $15 million that you've, you have to spend in the offseason. You look at what this team's needs are. Second-line center is a big need. If you're going to try and put Nolan Patrick as the 3C, he really hasn't proven yet that he can be relied upon as a 2C. So you, your biggest need is probably a second-line center. You could also use a top-nine winger, you know, if, you, if you're if you saying that Travis Konechny and Jake Voracek are your top two right wingers and that Ryan Hartman is your fourth line right winger, well, you need a, another guy to fill up that top nine. So now we're talking about a second line center, maybe a third line right winger. And then you talk about wanting to bring in a, a, a really good defenseman, um, you know, because maybe we need that one piece who can relieve some of the pressure on Myers, Sanheim, and Provorov. So you're talking about maybe bringing in another defenseman. So that's three big pieces that you've got to try and figure out a way to bring in with $15 million of cap money to spend, or you can trade existing guys off the roster, which, of course, then that's not uh, helping with the hole. That's just sort of status quo, and you're hoping that the the change is going to do something because you look at the young prospects, and we'll get into them later on, but I doubt that Morgan Frost or Joel Farabee or Isaac Ratcliffe can be counted on to make a huge impact next season. And if you talk about wanting to win the cup next year, then, you know, you probably can't slot those guys in to your lineup. So, you know, there's, there's three holes that the Flyers need to fill. There's $15 million to do it. And Chuck Fletcher's going to have his hands full this offseason because all the teams in the league are going to be going after all the underscreen free agents. And, you know, there's a lot of teams are going to be going after popular trade targets like a Jared Spurgeon, um, who knows, a Nazem Kadri, maybe uh, a, uh, you know, William Nylander, who, you know, a lot of these guys, a lot of teams are going to be going after them. So, you know, the Flyers have a lot of gunpowder with a lot of their prospects. They've got a, a, uh, a first round pick that's number 11. I would be I think it's more likely than not that they trade that first round pick in a effort to get better this off season. So. You know, it's going to be a very busy offseason for for Chuck Fletcher and Elaine Vigneault. And, you know, I love, you know, our buddy Ted, who's a big prospects guy. We've had him on the show before. Great follow uh, on Twitter at that guy, 11920. You know, God bless Ted. But you know, whenever I go to Twitter, I see him tweeting out all this stuff about all the guys that they might draft number 11 and getting angsty about, you know, who they might be there, who might not be there. And um, he's got a great idea of what what some of the top guys that are available there might be. I don't, it's, to me, they're they're not keeping this pick. Like, everything about what the Flyers are doing says to me that they're going to trade this pick. Because like you said, the guy that they get is in all likelihood not going to make an NHL impact for two to three years. And that's if everything breaks right. Uh, As we just mentioned, the Flyers seem like they're going to be going all in to try and win a cup in the next two to three years. What is their best uh, trade bait that they can use this off season? It's that first round pick. It's that number 11 pick because you can move that and you're not going to lose anything off your current team. So, I just, I I can't even start thinking about the guys that I would want them to draft. I mean, everyone's going crazy about Cole Caulfield, who scored a ton of goals this year in the U.S. development system. He's probably not going to be available at 11, because all everyone's been talking about for the last month is Cole Caulfield. So he's probably not going to be available. In any event, I just, I I can't see the Flyers keeping that pick if there's a good trade offer out there that involves it, because it's, it's just a, it's it's great gunpowder to uh, to ignite a big trade, which is what Chuck Fletcher really wants to do. So, quite honestly, I'm not going to do all that much prep for the draft. I mean, I'll do some just so wow. I can you know enjoy it and appreciate it. But the, when I think about like putting together a long article about all the guys who they might get at number eleven, it to me honestly it feels a little bit like a waste of time because mm. I don't think they're going to be picking at number eleven.
1: Like, do you, do you think this is something that gets done? before the the draft, or is this like a draft day type deal?
0: I, I would guess it would be a draft day deal. I mean, most of these deals happen on, on draft day. So you talk about it a lot leading up to the draft, and then I think teams kind of want to see, you know, let's say that Chuck Fletcher's talking to the Minnesota Wild about a trade where we would get Jared Spurgeon or um, uh, Jason Zucker, and it would involve giving them the pick number 11 maybe the there's a guy that wild really want with that number 11 pick and they kind of want to wait until draft day to see if that guy's available right so i think that for the most part most of these trades at this point involving draft picks are getting get done until draft day so i think that the draft day which i don't know is it maybe it's june 22nd i'll double check but that's that's going to be a uh, a crazy Day for Flyers fans because yeah June 21st and June 22nd yeah um, that's a huge date it on the calendar because I'm guessing that the Flyers are going to make uh, make some big moves on that day.
1: Yeah, it's going to be exciting because both of those days I'll be in Toronto. So if the Flyers you've been make a deal,
0: you're tweeting from Nashville and Carolina and Florida and Toronto.
1: Yeah, I get around. Not like not like that, but. You know, I, I travel. I'm well traveled. I try to be well traveled. Yeah, very but, impressive. But um, I mean, yeah. How cool would it be if a deal was then made with the Maple Leafs and we fleeced them out of uh, you know, one of the one of these guys that everyone, you know, all the all the names that everyone keeps talking about. And the, the big one, if we're talking about the restricted free agents, obviously Braden Point with Tampa and Mitch Marner is the name that you hear pop up all the time coming out of Toronto and. There's two sides to this coin that people like to, you know, there's two sides of the argument, kind of. One is, and I'm on this side, it's, you know, explore all options. If, if you think that there's a deal that you could put together that Toronto would be hard pressed to match, then just go for it. And then there's the other side of the argument that is, you don't want to deplete Relationships with other teams' general managers because it makes it harder down the road to make moves, which I understand. I fully understand that. But and then of course I've also saw that if they were to sign Martin to the offer sheet, that they have to give Toronto their next four first round picks. So I I understand all the why nots of of that of that argument. But what I'm looking at is I'm trying to make the Philadelphia Flyers better right now. And Mitch Marner, if you get a guy like Mitch Marner and somebody at his skill level, even Brayden Point, because I, you know, I'd love to have him too. If you get either one of these guys to put them on the Flyers roster right now, the Flyers are head and shoulders better than where they were before you added those guys. And I think, I honestly think Chuck Fletcher, you know, I, I get, I get a pretty aggressive vibe from him and he, he showed some aggressiveness when he was with Minnesota. You saw the big offseason he had where he spent like when he, you know, just blew their cap to shit and went and got uh, Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi in the same offseason. And, you know, he outbid basically the whole league there. So I I think that he's going to and I I don't want the general manager of my team to do to make moves just to appease the fan base. But I want to at least hear that he tried, even if it's, you know, even if it's an offer that Toronto just kind of matches you know immediately to me it would ease my mind a lot just just knowing that like yeah he at least went for it so even if it doesn't work out it makes me feel better as a fan knowing that he he said he wanted to do all he could and then he went out and tried all he could to make this team better and like I said I understand why you wouldn't want to do it I understand you don't want to piss off other general managers and things like that but You know, at the end of the day, this is big business and you're not going to always make everybody happy to benefit yourself. So if Chuck Fletcher thinks that he could put a deal together for Mitch Marner, for Braden Point, that they would sign and make it make life difficult on their current team to to match, then I say go for it and just deal with deal with the consequences afterwards, because to me, the benefits far outweigh the consequences on, on a move like that.
0: So let's take a look at the RFAs that are available. And most of these guys are ones that if you sign into a contract, you're going to end up giving up three or four first-round picks. And that's all based on how much money the contract is for, how many years. You can find all that information over at capfriendly.com, which is a great site. But uh, you know, Mitch Marner and Braden Point both scored 90-plus points. Miko Rantanen, who's been incredible for the Avalanche, he's a restricted free agent. Sebastian Aho for Carolina is restricted. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, Kyle Connor, William Carlson, who a lot of people are interested in from Vegas, Timo Meyer, Brock Besser, Patrick Laine, Jacob Truba, who's a guy that we'll talk about as a trade target for the Flyers, mm-hmm. uh, Zach Wierenski, Cap Kapanen. I mean, there's just a ton of good restricted free agents out there. And so, yeah, one option is you could try and sign Mitch Martyr to a seven year, $70 million contract and see if Toronto my guess is that Toronto would f- figure out a way to match. And yeah. Tampa, I'm guessing that Tampa would figure out a way to match. So, you know, the other option is maybe you, you do a trade. I mean, Eklund on his site, Hockey Buzz, you know, that guy throws out 1,800 rumors a day. And, you know, 1,799.9999 don't nine 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 don't don't happen. Um, but, you know, he was talking about that the Flyers are very interested in Marner and would they trade Ivan Provorov and Travis Konechny for Marner, which is, Holy uh, shit. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, something a lot of people have been talking about, which would be interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think that if we want Mitch Marner, it would be more likely to happen through a trade like that than an offer sheet that Toronto doesn't match. Because I just, I feel like they're going to find a way to match all these offer sheets. You know, the, so, there's a number of really good restricted free agents that you could go after. Jacob Truba is a guy who he's a right handed defenseman. He could absolutely play on the Flyers' top pair. You could have a Proverov Truba top pair defense group. And, and the Winnipeg Jets are a team that they've got a lot of salary cap issues. They've got to sign um, Truba and Kyle Connor and Patrick Line all to new contracts. And they only have they've got like twenty million dollars, um, or I gotta check the numbers. But they've basically if they sign those three guys and they, uh, the total number is like twenty million. They're only gonna have like a couple million left under the cap for a lot of players that they're still gonna have to add to their roster. So the Winnipeg Jets are a, a team that I think you could try and target this offseason, especially since they lost in the first round of the playoffs. You know, maybe you try and make a deal with them where you trade them the, the number 11 pick and Shane Goss' fair for Jacob Truman And, or you, you know, see if they've interest in, in go straight up for true because ghosts cap kit is going to be more appealing to them. So, you know, there's ways you can get some of these good restricted free agents. There's also, you know, you talk about the unrestricted free agents. These are the guys that the flyers could sign and it's just money we're talking about. They wouldn't have to give up any other kind of compensation. Um, you know, Matt Duchesne is a guy who I ragged on earlier he's it in the this playoffs. season. He's been he's been incredible, you yeah. know? So I, I criticize people sometimes for looking at too small sample sizes. Well, I was probably guilty of doing that looking at Matt Duchesne. and so he's a guy who would be a very good fit for the Flyers as their second line center, uh, and you could probably get him for six and a half seven million dollars a year. So Duchesne's a guy that a lot of Flyers fans are looking at. Kevin Hayes is a center uh, on Winnipeg who I doubt they're going to be able to re-sign. And he's a guy who could also be your second-line center. And Kevin Hayes is a guy that Elaine uh, Vigneault is very comfortable with, and, uh, or at least he knows a lot about him. Now, I don't know if he likes him or doesn't like him, but he coached him in New York. So Elaine Vigneault's got the scoop on Kevin Hayes. So Matthew Shane and Kevin Hayes are two guys you could look at. Eric Carlson as a defenseman He's a guy that, you know, is having a very good offensive performance in the playoffs you could look at. So there's... You know, there's restricted free agents. There's unrestricted. There's a lot of options that uh, this team's going to have in the offseason. And I think that we just have to hope that they don't overspend for players that we don't want. Guys like Tyler Myers. Um, there's a lot of guys out there that would probably fit that category. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a, a very fun offseason.
1: So a, a name got floated out there, I guess it was last week. And I caught some shit for it because – and. Truth be told, I am not a general manager in the NHL. I don't know if you knew that or not about wow. me. Wow, yeah, I know. thought
0: maybe you're an assistant GM. That's why you're heading up to Toronto. You're gonna try and help. Yeah, I got work I got out some out deals. I got a deal. broker. Yeah, yeah.
1: But um, so I, I mean, in retrospect, the the offer I put out there was probably way too much. But the name that got floated out there was PK Subban out of Nashville, and this of course came like a day after Nashville got eliminated from the playoffs in round one, and it was that. You know, basically, and it was kind of probably a throwaway rumor that P.K. Subban might be available. And my thought process immediately went to, okay, if you explore all other options and you don't really like them, you know, going long-term, because any of the free agents you bring in, more than likely, the the high-end free agents are going to be long-term situations. You have this 11th pick. If if Nashville wanted it, if they wanted the 11th pick and maybe another guy, would you— entertained the thought of bringing in pk suban who yeah he he's making nine million dollars but only for the next three seasons he's almost 30 but again you're only getting him for three years it's not like he's he's signed for six years five years where you know once he gets deeper into his 30s it's gonna become more of a problem i think if if Nashville wanted that 11th pick and you could throw in something else to entice it and you bring in a guy like Subban who, is a, who just all he does is eat minutes in the regular season and in the playoffs, which would take some of the pressure off of Provorov because you won't have to do it as much. So now you have two workhorse guys which are so key in big playoff series. The later you get in the playoffs, guys like that that just eat those minutes are as important as having a hot goalie going in the playoffs. So I if if there was a move to be made with Nashville to bring in PK Subban, I would I think I would pull the trigger because he's still a top pair defenseman and he probably will be for the remainder of these 3 years that he has left on his contract and you know you're giving up the 11th pick and you see what else they want maybe you work something out so it doesn't hurt as much you work out you know the numbers a little bit with the contracts the what I put out there was the first pick and um and Shane Goss is fair. Because I think the Flyers, I don't know if they want to trade him, but I, I think it's safe to say at this point they're very willing to trade him. And if you get a guy like Suban in here, like I said, that you could pair with Provorov, and now you just have two workhorse guys at, on your top pairing on the blue line, I think it's something that the Flyers should entertain if they don't like the other avenues as far as defensemen go.
0: Yeah, I I don't hate the idea of trading for for PK Subban. I mean, one of my hesitations is again, that I think that the flyers have, you know, three main holes they need to fill this off season. And two of them are forwards. They need a a second line center and they need a top nine forward and the defenseman. But if you're talking about, you know, 15 million to spend and you're going to give 9 million of that to Subban, I guess if you traded ghost, you'd be, you know, offsetting four and a half million of that. Um, you know, I, I I don't hate the idea of bringing in Subban. I think I prefer Jacob Truba, and I right. probably prefer them signing Eric Carlson as opposed really? to Sub- Subban. I think so. I mean, I think I think Car- I, I, Subban is okay. I, I do think he's overrated. I think he's kind of gotten a lot of attention because he's a flashy type player, um, and you know, he's a very good. He's very marketable. I mean, Subban's a guy that's that's done a great job marketing himself. He's got a huge personality and I I think that's led to him being a little bit overrated. He's a very good defenseman, I mean, he's playing 23 24 minutes a night for a very good Predators team that's very deep on defense. You know, he could be a guy that could play on your your top power play unit. So I don't I don't dislike the idea. Uh, I think I'd rather try and concentrate on the forward position because I do have a lot of confidence in guys like Sanheim and Myers kind of taking the next step in their careers and hopefully Ivan Provorov rebounding but um, I, I don't yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if they ended up trading for Subban
1: yeah like I said it wouldn't be my first move but it's something I would at least look. and when I when I say really about Eric Carlson I'm not trying to suggest that PK Subban is better than Eric Carlson but what, what gives me pause, and I know Carlson's a name that's going to get floated out there a lot this offseason, and rightfully so. I mean, he's still one of the best defensemen in the league. What gives me pause with Carlson is he's going to get a big contract, and he's already had some pretty significant injuries to this point in his career, and I don't know if he's going to hold up, you know, durability-wise going forward into... Su- I mean, if you, if you sign the guy for seven years, and... For like the last three or four of them, he's you know just being held together with tape. Then that, that gives me some pause with a guy like him. And what makes Suban just more enticing to me is the fact that it's only three years you'd be getting him for, and then you just kind of work out the contract from there if you want to. But um, I don't know. It was just an idea that I had. Something that you know, like I said, the Flyers have to explore all options at this point, and they're obviously going to do that. But when you bring up Truba, I think that for that to work out if we're, if we're going to if we're going to trade for a guy like that that would have to be something that to where he kind of goes to Winnipeg and just says like hey th- this isn't this isn't the situation for me and then they give the the um the agent permission to to look for a trade and then the Flyers of course jump in they work out the extension and everything like that I mean cuz if you're just going to trade for it without an an extension kind of worked out then you're just kind of you know you're shooting yourself in the foot a little bit because now you're just bringing in a guy with a big unknown hanging over his head. Cause you don't know what's going to happen with his future with the team.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that they would, they'd have to have something worked out or, you know, I, I think true is probably going to end up making six to 7 million. So I yeah. think that that's, you know, um, I, I think that they would be able to work that out. I mean, you know, I, the other ideal scenario, which I kind of mentioned before is that Chuck Fletcher's obviously has ties to the Minnesota wild. he, uh, used to be the GM there, and he knows a lot of the players there. And it does seem like their current GM is is maybe trying to put his mark on the team and, and get rid of some of the players. They made they made a bunch of trades at the deadline, and before that, trading away some of the guys that they had. Um, and maybe they're looking to trade Jared Spurgeon. Spurgeon's one of my favorite uh, off-season targets for the Flyers. He's a he's a top pairing defenseman. Um, who is signed for one more season at $5.2 million. I think he's underrated. I think he's very good. I actually think he's a better defenseman than P.K. Subban is, and I would I would love to add him. Now, if... And one of the other things is you probably wouldn't have to pay quite as much because he is an unrestricted free agent at the end of next season. So if the Wild don't think that he's going to re-sign there, well, then they're really going to have to look at moving him this off season. So you might be able to get Spurgeon for the 11-pick in the draft and something not as big as Shane Goss to spare. Maybe you move the 11-pick in the draft and a Robert Haig and one of your prospects, and you could get a guy like that if the Wild don't think that they can re-sign him. So that's a guy who I would really like to add to this team. I think that he's he's a very good defenseman. Um, and you know Jason Zucker's another guy who they've talked about possibly moving. He's got four years left on his contract. Uh, he, he could be that top 9-4 Flyers would be looking for. So, you know, there's, again, there's a lot of good options, and I think we're just hoping that, that that's uh, the path that, that Fletcher ends up going down.
1: Yeah. Um. So, um, obviously, we're about a month away now from the draft, and we don't, like we already kind of said, we don't want to talk too much about the draft, because we both kind of expect that 11th pick to get traded, but I know you are, you're one of the biggest prospect guys on Flyers Twitter. And Flyers, obviously, the guys I already have in their system have, you know, the big names that everybody knows. Jay Ratcliffe has killed it all year. His Isaac team, he, they're in the Isaac finals, Ratcliffe. correct? The uh, Guelph Storm? Yeah, yeah
0: Isaac, Isaac Ratcliffe. Yeah, he's the... Uh, you, what did I say? Jay, Jay Ratcliffe. I don't you know, know who that is. with Jay O'Brien, who did not... Yeah, that's
1: business. a hybrid. Yeah,
0: yeah. Not a good hybrid, though. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, no, he's so Isaac Radcliffe has had uh, the best postseason of, of any of the Flyers' prospects in North America, I would say, uh, his team at least. They were down three games to none in the quarterfinals, and they came back and won four straight. They were down three games to one in the semifinals and came back and won three straight, and now his Guelph Storm are in the OHL finals against the Otto 67, so that's very exciting. You know, there were, I'd say that there were a handful of Flyers prospects who had very good seasons. I think the best was Joel Farabee, who was far and away the best first-year player in the NCAA. He scored 36 points in 37 games, which for the for the NCAA is incredible. Uh, he had a huge season, uh, and he obviously, he signed his uh, ELC. He signed his professional contract, which was huge news because I don't think that a lot of Flyers fans were expecting him to do that. I think a lot of people thought he'd return to Boston University for his sophomore year. So it's great to see Joel Farabee turning pro. He'll be on the Phantoms. I can't believe it took us
1: this long to mention that.
0: Yep, I know. So Joel Farabee will likely be on the Phantoms next year, but he'll have a chance to make the Flyers. He had a great season. Uh, Morgan Frost had another phenomenal season. He scored 109 points in 58 games, almost a two points per game average. His his, uh, OHL career has followed... Greatly in the footsteps is what Claude Giroux did in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, which is another Canadian junior league. Um, and Frost is going to be turning pro next year. He'll either be on the Flyers or the Phantoms. Isaac Ratcliffe, who I just mentioned, he scored 50 goals in the regular season. He was the only Flyers prospect to do that. He had 50 goals in 65 games. Uh, he's a big winger who can put goals in the net. He's a uh, very good skater. Those are the three forwards who had really good seasons. And then you look at the... Uh, The goaltenders and uh, Samuel Erso, who was their fifth round pick last year, was phenomenal. He's moved up into a tier where he could be a very good NHL goaltender. Uh, He could also be good trade bait because we've got Carter Hart already. And some news broke today that the Flyers signed Kirill Ustamenko to his professional contract. So that was big because a lot of these Russian goaltenders go to the KHL and they never end up coming over to the NHL. The KHL is the Russian professional league. So to get Ustamenko, who's had two very good seasons to come over, was great. So the Flyers are going to have Felix Sandstrom uh, with the Phantoms next season. Um, his first season in North America. He's still a very good goalie prospect. Kirill Ustamenko coming over. He'll probably play in the ECHL with Reading because I'm guessing that Alex Lyon will be the other starter uh, in the AHL for the Phantoms. And then Samuel airson will play one more year in Sweden and then probably come back after that. But so you look at Erso and Usta um, Manko and Faraby Frost and Ratcliffe. And those are the guys that kind of really had stellar seasons from the, the Flyers prospect base and, and guys to, to get excited about.
1: What impresses me the most about Isaac Ratcliffe is the, like, I, I... Like it's so incredible to see somebody with his size have his skill set. Like, like his hands are ridiculous for somebody as big as he is. Usually, you get, you know, you get these big guys and you put them on skates and you're just, you know, it's okay. Power forward, put you in front of the net, collect, collect the garbage in front of the goalie. But I mean, this guy's ridiculous. I mean, I so many times you see on Twitter the goals that you know it's just post to post and he's just tapping it in and he just has such such soft hands for such a big like animal-shaped guy it's it's impressive and by the law of averages you would have to assume that in the next two to three years the Flyers are going to have a goaltending tandem that is completely homegrown and it's going to be Carter Hart obviously the starter and you have to assume Ustamenko Erson, or Sandstrom is going to be the backup and you know Kudos again to to Ron Hextall, because he kind of just, you know, he he casted a wide net when it came to these goalie prospects, and right now they're all looking pretty promising. Obviously, Carter Hart is, you know, the gem of the whole thing, but, you know, we've seen it time and time again that it's one thing to have the starter, it's another thing to have, you have to have a solid backup, and I wanted to get into this a little bit. We did this before, and we have a little bit of time before we're going to get to our questions, but... I wanted to go a little back and forth here because I know we're on two separate sides of the fence when it comes to the backup goalie this year. You're kind of standing with Brian Elliott. I'm standing with Cam Talbot. Because of his durability, because of Elliott's lack of durability, I think if you're going to bring, if, if Carter Hart obviously is your guy this season, and he will be, then you need the durable veteran backup in in Cam Talbot as opposed to the you know Brian Elliott who's played well when he's been healthy but if you can't rely on him to stay healthy then then you're really just looking at Carter Hart and Alex Lyon as your backup which is going to lead probably to Carter Hart playing more games than you'd like him to in a row because Alex Lyon is not really a good goaltender and it's, it's it could be it could prove a bit detrimental to him so do you still stand with Elliott on the backup front
0: Well, it's not not really – I think it's a moot point and not really worth discussing that much for us because I agree that Cam Talbot is probably going to be the backup goalie, especially since L.A. Vino is here and those guys have a history together. I still do think that if you wanted to bet me, heads up, who's going to have a better season next year, Cam Talbot or Brian Elliott, I am 100% taking Brian Elliott because I think the injuries were a bit fluky. I think that the injuries were mishandled. I think that he was rushed back. I think that when he finally got healthy at the end of last season, or at the end of this past season, he was very good. And he never really had injuries before that. So yeah. I think Brian Elliott is going to be very good next season. So I think he'll be better than Cam Talbot. I'll bet you anything you want on it. But I agree that Cam Talbot is going to be the Flyers' backup goal.
1: <laughs> anything I want. Um all right, fine. Next time that you go to Vegas, I'm coming with you, and you're paying for the whole damn thing.
0: What is what's the what's the other side of it? What are you giving me?
1: Well, I know I'm not going to I know I'm not going to lose, so it doesn't really matter. You can I mean, have whatever it, you it want. It doesn't matter.
0: Once you come back, you maybe you'll pay for a trip for me to uh, to to a, a, a location of my choosing, and you can you know buy me some expensive dinners.
1: But uh, that sounds fun. All right, yeah. good. We're we're just we're just Warren Buffett's just passing out money like it's nothing <laughs> here. <laughs> All right, so let's get to these um, these listener questions. Oh, well, some good
0: ones.
1: We got some really good ones, and I put out the, I put out the one on the show's Twitter at underscore getting bullied. And I gotta check that. Yeah, um, check.
0: I, I got it. There trying to get some
1: life questions the in there as well. And I know, I know there's a horse racing asking. question for you. Yeah, a horse racing question. You're the big horse guy. Yeah. Uh, with the Kentucky Derby being this weekend, so whatever you say, just know I'm gonna bet.
0: Okay, so yeah, the Kentucky Derby. So there's big news came down today. The uh, one of the favorites, Omaha Beach, actually the morning line favorite, is scratched out of the Kentucky Derby. He, uh, he had, I think, he's some kind of epiglottis injury, which you know a lot of us know what that means. But anyway, I he's. I think it's a breathing issue, so he's out of the Derby. I think that uh, my horse to pick to win would be Game Winner. He won the big two-year-old race last year, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and he kind of his training was interrupted this year, and uh, he he had some uh, he had a couple good good performances, but he was like kind of like wide around the track the whole way. And he, I think he finished second in both of his races so far this year, but I'll pick Game Winner. But you know, people like long shots, and so I'm gonna give out a long shot that people can bet. and And the name of that horse is Spin Off. I think he's like in the nineteen post position, but that would be my long shot spin off. He's probably gonna be thirty to one or forty to one. So bet an exacta with the uh, game winner and, and spin off.
1: Check I don't know I don't even know anything that you just said. Well, I like the name we, game winner. I don't know what the hell an exacta is, I guess. Yeah, you
0: gotta pick the top two finishers.
1: Oh, okay. Alright, shit. Yeah. You know, I may just do that. So you yeah. might be getting you might be getting a dinner anyway if I hit there, on that. There you go. All right. So, we should probably get
0: to the hockey questions now.
1: Yeah, I think that's what people came here to uh, to get. So I'll let you lead off, and we'll just you know, take it from there.
0: Okay. So uh, this isn't really a question, but our buddy, Andreas Skogmo, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that last name correct, said, uh, "Fairby Frost Ratcliffe on a line together. Read that out loud in the podcast and try not to drool. More of a challenge than a question, I guess. I did start drooling a little bit, actually.
1: Yeah, it is dinner time, though. I
0: I have a couple concerns about thinking about that. One is that I, I think that I hope not, but I'm thinking that one of those guys might get traded this off season. Yeah. But I guess I guess we'll see what happens. And my other thing is, you know, we're gonna have to wait a couple years for that. Even if they keep all three of those guys, we're gonna have to wait a few years. So it's a very exciting line to think about, but uh, but probably not for this coming season.
1: No, definitely not. I, I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of with you on the, one of them might get traded. I don't think it'd be fair be. I'd hate to see any of them go, but I don't think it'd be him just cause he, you know, I feel like they have a, a lot. I feel like they're very high on him, but I guess we'll see. Um, I'll take the next one. Dylan Yurko at D underscore Yurko. Instead of signing Marner point comma point to an offer sheet, I feel William Carlson would be intriguing. Better offensive upside than Hayes, lower cap hit than Duchesne. I feel he's an underrated two-way center, having Coots Carlson, Patty Lotz as your four centers. And he spelled it the Canadian way, which I appreciate, would be deadly. Thoughts? Yeah, William Carlson I like a lot. And he's kind of like, he's really kind of broken out since, you know, since joining up with Vegas. They've done a great job. They did a great job with their expansion draft, and they got some guys that probably a lot of people didn't hear of before that Beforehand. Um, my problem is this, and what I like about a guy like Duchesne is, if we're talking about, you know, free agency and obviously, like, adding to the team that way, what I like about Duchesne is he's a guy that, you know, and he's proven it in the playoffs here that he just, like, he puts the puck in the net, and Carlson can do that, but what I'm looking for from the Flyers, if we're going to make kind of a big splash, and Carlson would be a big move because they'd have to offer sheet him, um... What I want the Flyers to really get with with their, if they're going to get one big acquisition, I want it to be a guy that is just, I just want a goal scorer. I I don't need the two-way player anymore because I think they have enough of them. They need the guy that just thinks about putting the puck in the net, and that's all he's really concerned about. I don't care if the guy is a complete liability in the defensive end. As long as he's scoring 30, 35 goals a year, then I'm okay with it. I like Carlson, but I think there's better options out there for the Flyers.
0: I, have did you look at his stats? He scored forty three goals last season. Yeah. I, I, I think that William Carlson would be a phenomenal add for the Flyers. I mean, he's a very good. He's he's incredibly fast. He's a great stick handler. He is a goal scorer. Um, even if his goals dropped off a little bit this season, I think that uh, I think that Vegas is going to match anything you throw out there for William Carlson. Um, I just he's not a guy I see leaving, but I completely agree that William Carlson would be a great fit as a second line center for this team. I think that ultimately he Duchene and him are, are fairly similar players actually. I think they're both very good skaters, good stick handlers and so yeah, I mean I, I would have no problems if uh if they added Carlson.
1: These offer sheets are going to be tough no matter who they if they go after any of them.
0: Yeah, I think there will be some offers thrown out there this off season, yeah. but I just don't know if I think they're going to get matched, yeah. Right, so.
1: let's put it this way. When you're when when you're thinking about an offer sheet, just remember that the Flyers basically offered, um, and and he signed it. Shea Weber signed like what was it like? It was like a quarter of the net worth of the Nashville Predators at the time, and they still matched the offer sheet. So it's and not wishing like they
0: had, they're wishing they had.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. Thank God for the Flyers that he that they matched it. But yeah, I mean, so it's 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 very difficult to get the, to get these clubs not to match these offer sheets. But you know. It, it, Again, I want the Flyers to explore all avenues, but it's going to be tough.
0: So next question is from our buddy Billy, who actually came out to the tailgate. It was really great to meet him. Uh, uh, Is at underscore LaudJeroux28. He asks, who on the Flyers roster are you guys most concerned about heading into next season in terms of consistency and production out of their play? (sighs) So I'm going to go with something out of left field here that maybe not necessarily is the answer that he's looking for, but one of my big fears for next season is that I'm concerned that Carter Hart is going to go through some growing pains and is going to take a step back. He's he's you know he's still very young. What is he going to be, 21 years old? So I have some concerns that everyone is taking for granted that Carter Hart is going to be fantastic next year, and he's going to take a step back, and we're going to be right back in that same situation where we don't have a great goaltender next season.
1: Huh. Well, I could see it. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to think about. But yeah, I mean, going into your second season, first full season, I could definitely see the growing pains. He's a, he's a young kid and he's very poised and all that. But, you know, eventually the human side kind of takes over. So I could see that. Um, for me, if we're talking about concern with consistency, there's two players that come to mind. Um, but I'm going to go with one, and it's Nolan Patrick. And he had he had spurts last season where he played really well, and you started to see why he was the second overall pick. But I think a lot of the times, and maybe it's just me that sees this, I think a lot of the times when, when we look at Nolan Patrick, I, to me, and I could be completely wrong here, but to me it looks like he kind of checks out mentally for stretches of time, whether it be, during a game or during a couple games, um, you know I I think that he had the injury issues going into his rookie season, so really last year was like his first real season where he could you know kind of get into a routine, get his feet on them a little bit. So I expect a lot out of him going into year three, and I expect him to really emerge as you know kind of a, a real contributor on this Flyers team and. I'm concerned with his consistency. Obviously, I, I you know, there was a times right around the All Star break last year. He was one of the hottest players in hockey. You know, he could he could not be stopped. He was. It's like he was scoring a goal a game, and that's something that obviously now that we've seen it, we know that it's possible. We want. I need to see more of it going into this season, and the Flyers need to see more of it if they're going to be a real contender for the playoffs.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's one of the, definitely one of the guys that, uh, if I was giving a, a normal answer, I would have probably said Nolan Patrick, but I'm yeah. just, I'm a little worried about, you like to be flashy. I'm a little worried about Carter Hart. What happens if he uh, takes a step back?
1: So I can say it. Um,
0: all right. You want to go for the next one?
1: Yes, I will. And I had it. Uh, there it is. All right. So our buddy, Robert N. Wilson at NAA, Robert Flyers Wilson, Rob. Yeah, Flyers Rob. Always with the multiple part question. Only two this time. Uh, number one, just what happened to Jay O'Brien last season, and is he still capable to be an, at NHL Flyers? And uh, number two, can we trade up to get Cole Caulfield or get him at 11? Well, as far as Jay O'Brien goes, I know he had a very disappointing season, but it was injury plagued. He, he dealt with a lot of... Um, on the injury front, which for a young player is hard to deal with for any player. It's hard to deal with, but definitely for a young player in college, it's, it's particularly hard to deal with, especially when you feel like there's a lot of expectation on you from the club that just drafted you and just kind of everything going on. Um, I mean, he's not going to be, he's not going to sniff the flyers this season, but I think, you know, he still has the talent. He still has the ability. If he could stay healthy next season, Um, You know, kind of with his new team, new situation, you know, things might turn around for him. So I I wouldn't give up on Jay O'Brien just yet, just off one bad season. Um, And as far as Cole Caulfield, look, I mean, the guy, he was lighting it up and it's not like just the Flyers noticed that. So he's probably going to go before eleven. As far as a trade up, I'm gonna say no just because I don't want the Flyers to even keep the eleventh pick, so if they don't have that pick, they're not trading up to get anybody. So as far as Cole Caulfield goes, I would say almost emphatically he's not a Flyer at any point. Uh, but that's just because I don't think they're keeping that pick.
0: Yeah, again, I mean I'm not I, I, I'm not gonna to spend too much time debating draft draft right. candidates when I don't think they're gonna keep the pick. Uh, Jay O'Brien, you know, is interesting because I trust my eyes when I watch these young kids uh, in the World Junior Championship Summer Showcase and at the development camp. And Jay O'Brien's a very good hockey player. I mean, he was really good at the Flyers Development Camp, and I thought that he was borderline better than Joel Faraby at the World Junior Championships Summer Showcase. He didn't get a lot of ice time in the actual World Junior Championships, but he's a very good player. And he got injured early on for Providence. He, I, I think he had a concussion, and then he came back too soon and got maybe another concussion, and it was just it was a lost season for Jay O'Brien. And now the news broke that he's leaving Providence College and he's going to be going to play in the BCHL, which is a lower league than NCAA, and and almost everyone reacted to that by saying, oh, this guy's a bust, he can't cut it in NCAA. I wouldn't be so quick to just totally dismiss him. I, I, I see the talent there, and I think it's just going to take some time. But I wouldn't lose faith in Jay O'Brien just yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, he's still young. He has all the potential in the world to turn around. And, he, you yeah, know, he, he probably will. We'll see. Flyer, Flyers are well-stocked. Yep.
0: So the next uh, comment came in from Yanni Van Riemsdyk at LOLJTX asking about Nick Ehlers as a potential trade target. If you don't know who Nikolai Ehlers is... He is a former ninth overall pick, playing for the Winnipeg Jets, and he's a uh, he's a he's a pretty damn good forward. And he could we talked about the Flyers needing a second line center and a top nine forward. He could be the guy to fill that uh, top nine forward slot. Um, his he's under contract for the next number of years. I think I'm just going to pull up the Winnipeg Jets um, and, and cap friendly. He is uh, yeah he's under contract for the next, it looks like, six or seven years. Six million. He's a 23-year-old, so he's a very good young winger who, again, Winnipeg's going to have to clear out some caps, cap space. So, nothing is outside of the realm of possibilities. You'd have to give up probably the number 11 pick in the draft plus mm-hmm. something additional to get him. Uh, some folks had mentioned maybe, you know, you package Ghost and that pick and something else and you get Ehlers and Truba back. You know, you're going to have to give up more than ghost and that number eleven pick.
1: Yeah, I'd have to, to get, get that.
0: Um, but you know, it's it's not out of the realm of possibilities. And Ehlers is a guy who scored thirty goals last season and and had some injuries this season, including the playoffs. And he scored twenty goals in sixty games. But yeah, he, sure, he's a guy that I would absolutely look at as a as a top nine forward addition.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Lou crocetto at L Ricchetto sixty seven. Big fan of the show. Uh, what team that was upset in the first round can the Flyers take advantage of? One team comes to mind because the Flyers have a lot of defense depth, and that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think they obviously went big this offseason, and even in the season, when they um, you know, they had their spout with Nylander, finally got him signed, um, obviously made the big splash and got Tavares in the offseason. I can't think of a team that's probably more upset and more disappointed about how their season went than the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think that they need help on the blue line. The Flyers have help for them on the blue line. They have Shane Goss' pair if you wanted to trade him. Um, and I think the, the there's definitely forwards that Toronto has that could come in and help the Flyers right now and make them a better team right now. So if you're going to go try to take advantage quote-unquote of a team really if the way I look at it it's not taking advantage of it's more or less you know you scratch my back I scratch yours type of thing you need help we need help let's make something happen I I would look at I would look at the Maple Leafs first
0: yeah I I mean I think you look at all these teams I mean Tampa's probably not going to make so many big changes but I'm sure that you know they'd be open to some moves like you mentioned Toronto needs some defensemen You know, probably not Washington or Pittsburgh. I I don't see them making any huge moves. I mean, the Penguins could trade Malkin or Kessel, but I don't think those are guys that the Flyers necessarily would go after. But then you look in the Western Conference, and Nashville, Winnipeg, and Calgary are all teams that I think you want to try and go after as as potential trade targets. We've talked about Winnipeg a lot because of their cap situation. We talked about Nashville, maybe with a PK Subban. Calgary, you know, is a team that we haven't really talked a lot about, but. They listen. They only won one game in the playoffs ever after having the best record in uh, in their division. And you know they're a team that you're probably not going to get Johnny Hockey, Johnny Goudreau from them. But who knows what what that team you know might might be willing to move? Maybe you're you know going to try and move a defenseman to them and get a, a defenseman back, like a TJ Brody or something how that could potentially be a fit for the Flyers. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're looking at all those teams as ones that you're going to go after. I, I also think that you're going to try and look at teams that that maybe just missed the playoffs and, and want to try and rebuild a little bit, and those are the teams that you're going to look at trading that number 11 pick to.
1: So, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, let's see. We've got Don B at match Penalty 21 one of our loyal listeners, and he's always sending in good questions. He says, if we strike out on the top UFAs, like Panarin and Carlson, I'm worried that the front office will just spend money on anybody. Does this concern you? What are the chances they just hold onto the cap for 2020? Who are some of the big names scheduled as unrestricted free agents that season? So, all right, so really quickly, the top unrestricted free agents for next offseason, and a lot of these guys are probably going to sign, you know, before... Uh, before the contracts up, but Nicholas Backstrom for Washington, Alex Angelo for the Blues, um, Taylor Hall for the Devils, Ryan Nugent Hopkins for the Oilers, uh, Mike, Mikhail Granlin for Nashville, um, Jared Spurgeon, who we've talked about. Those are kind of like some of the big guys out there for next off season. Um, but I think is the first part of this question was really good. Like, what would be the worst case scenario in our mind of who, who they could go after, who they could sign that would be a disaster? And like, I really don't want them going after Tyler Myers. I think he's an overrated defenseman who's going to get way too much money on the market this year. So I don't really want them going after Myers. You know, I like. Jeff Skinner, but I think as a winger, he's going to get overpaid a little bit coming off of a 40 goal season. So I don't really love the idea of going after Skinner, but I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be horrified if they got him. Um, but it's mainly a lot of these overrated defensemen that I, I have no interest in, like Tyler Myers, Anton Stroman, guys like that, God forbid, yeah. um, you know, that uh, he tries to bring back. Um, uh, the name escaped me of, of who he, he had in New York that everyone was complaining about, but um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously are some worst case scenarios out there. Danger already I'm thinking of, but you know, that would be <laughs> horrible. But um, you know, we'll we'll see. But yes, there's definitely the fear that, that they could they can overspend for some guys that are uh, just not that great.
1: Yeah, I, I would hate that, I, I mean, I don't know what's going on in. 2020, as far as the free agency goes, because I'm not even through this see- this offseason yet, but I mean, yeah, you don't want the Flyers to feel like they're in a situation where they're telling everybody they're going for it, they're trying to get better, and they, you know, just kind of get blinders on and just do something stupid, so yeah, I mean, I think I think that they're, I think that the, the way that Chuck Fletcher's kind of mindset is going into this offseason, I don't think they're going to get Panarin, I don't think they're going to get Carlson, but I think You know, I think Duchesne is a real possibility for them. I think they may even be one of the favorites to land him because they have such a need for him and they have the money to spend. So, you know, I'm not looking at Panarin. I'm not even going to get my hopes up on Panarin or Carlson because I don't think that's going to happen, especially not Panarin. Carlson maybe, but um, I think Duchesne is is the most real option right now as far as the, the top end UFAs for the Flyers.
0: I think we got one question left. Maybe yeah, I think so. Tom, I, Tom. I, I'm,
1: I'm lost in the whole thing, so yeah. you're going to have to read it. Nor,
0: I like you are normally, just kind of like wandering through life, you know. Got to, uh, got to rely on me to be the organized one, which is uh, usually the case. But uh, Tom Sloan, our buddy Tom Sloan, he always comes in with good questions, too. At Tom underscore Sloan. Cost of offer shooting Marner point likely unrealistic. Who are the top five best actually gettable centers via any means necessary? In his opinion, Nylander is not mentioned enough, with like Kadri mentioned too much, and Toronto needs heavy help to sign Martner. So, yeah, you know what? Uh, William Nylander is a guy that I would definitely be interested in going after. he I don't know if he, the doghouse is the right way to put it, but he didn't sign for a while there, and when he did sign, he wasn't great. Um, his ice time was a little bit diminished, so we might be able to pry Nylander away from Toronto. you probably have to give up a guy like Shane Fair. Yeah. Um, you know, or maybe one of the young defensemen, but I think that he's definitely a guy you look at. I, we talked about William Carlson. You know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Look, if if Edmonton doesn't think they can re-sign him, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. He's a guy that you could go at go after. Tom also mentioned Vincent Trocheck. If Florida's going to, if Florida's going to sign Bobrovsky and Panarin, they're going to have to do something about their cap space. And so maybe they trade a guy like Vincent Trocek. So that, that would be interesting. Maybe you'd get him for maybe they'd be interested in a uh, first-round pick or, or maybe one of our young prospects. But that's a possibility. You know, we talked about Matthew Shane. I think that him and Kevin Hayes as unrestricted free agents would probably be the top two targets as unrestricted free agents centers. So, you know, those, those are the guys that I, I think they'd be looking at.
1: I don't want fans to... See, here's the thing. Especially when you go on Twitter... And you see, when, when when names start getting floated out there of, of potential trade pieces for the Flyers, and I saw it a lot, we we both saw it a lot with Shane pair when his name started getting floated, floated around at the deadline. If you want this team to get better, it's not going to happen for free. You have to give up something to get something. And right now, the two biggest pieces the Flyers have, or the most... Probably the most willing that I would I would read that they're willing to trade are the 11th overall pick and Shane Goss' pair. Not to say that Shane Goss' is not a good player, not to say that they don't like Shane Goss' pair, but because they see him as a guy that is expendable, and they see him as a guy that they can get a good return for right now that will make this team better. So I caution the fans that fall in love with players and don't want to see their favorite players go. I get that, but... In the long run, if you want this team to get better, you have to be willing to give up guys that you may love too much. And you just have to accept that when we're all standing on Broad Street and we're watching a parade, the last thing you're going to be thinking about is, oh, shit, I'm really upset we had to trade Shane Goss' fair. So just look for the greater good, because I already I could already see it. I really, I feel in my bones he's getting traded this offseason, and I know people, there's going to be that faction of people that lose their minds about it, but... It will all be for the greater good. Chingasper is a good player. He's done a lot of good things in Philadelphia as far as the community goes, but look, sometimes you just have to cut your you just have to cut ties with somebody to get better.
0: I don't necessarily agree that he's definitely going to get traded, but I hear what you're saying.
1: I just I don't know. I think that I think that given all that we're talking about and all the trade pieces that are out there, I think that I think that they're gonna that he's part of any big trade that the Flyers would make this offseason. I could be wrong, but will see.
0: Let me ask you this: Who's okay. more likely to get traded this offseason, Shane fair or Morgan Frost?
1: Oh, oh wow. Why not well? I mean, they could be part of the same deal for all we know, depending on what we're getting back. Um, I, I would probably still say fair. I,
0: yeah, I think I'd say Goss is too, but it's yeah. it's 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 close, right? I mean, yeah, I think it is. That, uh, it is. you know because I think that there's a higher likelihood than a lot of us want to admit that they might end up trading a guy like Frost or Ratcliffe. I agree. I don't think they're going to trade Fermi, but yeah, um, you
1: know. I think it all depends. On, I think it depends on on the team you're dealing with. If you're if you're talking about one of the teams like you mentioned that were just outside the playoffs, that. Want to get better now than it, then it's Goss's bear. But if you're looking at a team that's kind of in the basement and they're just trying to like stock, they have a good player and they're just trying to stockpile, you know, draft picks and prospects. Then it's going to be frost. So I, I think it's just all it's all contingent on who you're dealing with and who the trade who the trade is with and what you're getting back. But was that are those are those all our questions? That's tomorrow? it. Are yeah, we some
0: great great questions coming in.
1: Good shit. All right, well we appreciate that as always. Dan, you have any closing thoughts? Um, because I don't know if we're going to – I don't know the next time we're going to do one of these now that the offseason's is kind of in the lull period until the draft kicks off in about a month and a half. So do you have any closing remarks for the fine people at home?
0: I can't believe that I do this show with someone who likes salt and vinegar Oh and shit! chips.
1: I forgot about this. Yeah. All right. So here's the thing. About a week ago, I put out a tweet, and it is – I'm not about hot takes. I don't believe in them. I don't have any. I just have facts. That's all I comment. that's all I come with. So I tweeted last week that salt and vinegar chips are the best chip, hands down, best chip out there. And it was met with it was met with some some debate. And there was no in between. There was no on the fence people. People either loved it or they hated it. You absolutely hated it. You said that it was the worst uh, opinion that I have ever had. And I'm trying Which to is figure out a why. Lot, by the way, I mean, look. Here's the thing. As as a youth, as a youth. I was kind of forced into liking it because every year during the summer when we'd go to the boardwalk, we'd get fries as a family and my dad would put in the order and my dad would load the fries up with vinegar and my mom's like, nobody likes this but you. So I had to like, I was forced to like it. And now the salt and vinegar chip is just, maybe it reminds me of my childhood. I don't know, but I think it's just a bomb ass chip and I'm trying to, like, what is your chip? What are you, like sour cream and onion?
0: I I mean, I think that, First of all, I like clean my the glass in my house today with vinegar. Like uh-huh. you're, and yet you're eating this. Like I don't, salt and vinegar. The combination just is disgusting to me. It's acidic and it's not in a good way. Uh, you know, I'm listen. I'm not a huge potato chip guy, but I if I'm eating them, I like I like sour cream and onion. I like you know it's a really good flavor that's a new flavor is that I tried is the dill pickle flavored uh, potato I've chip. I've to have now, that. That's delicious. You should go try that. You know, barbecue's fine. I like Doritos. I like the, you know, the, um, I tried a new flavor potato chip last week, actually. I tried the uh, wavy Pringles barbecue. That okay. was pretty good. That was pretty good. But, you know, I, I had a food take on Twitter last week that, for me, I'm a big fruit guy. And it's right. the fruit for me that's the hardest to uh, to kind of work with because the pit is so big and it's kind of hard to uh, peel is a mango. And the grocery store last week here in D.C. near me had the best mangoes you've ever had in your entire life. And that's like the perfect treat for me. And I, I, I'm i more of a fruit guy than a chip guy, but I don't like salt, salt and vinegar. But I, you know, I like mangoes, get some nice blueberries, but I just, yeah, I just I can't do the salt and vinegar chips. It just just gross.
1: You know, you say that you cleaned your windows with vinegar today, but do you not drink alcohol? Do you not know what alcohol does to like disinfect? And you're putting that in your body, so don't give me that.
0: Yeah, you, that's the best point you've made all
1: show. Okay, oh, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 big on the mango too. Speaking of the dill pickle, have you ever had the pickleback shot?
0: Oh, I love pickleback shots. Oh yeah, that's good. Little shit Little Jameson. Right there. And then uh, and then some uh, pickle juice. Perfect. Yeah,
1: yeah. Me and my buddy. Um, I might go
0: do a few after the show's over.
1: That's what I'm saying. Me and my buddy have gotten real into them in, in in recent weeks, and it's it's that's good. If you're not, if you've never had one, people at home, go ahead and go ahead and have that this weekend. You can thank us on Twitter. Um, if they wanted to do that, Dan, however, where would they do that? Where would they find you to thank you for your mango references?
0: You can find me uh, on Twitter at dsilver88. And you can also find some of my articles over at phileasflyer.com. Uh, probably after the draft, I'll be coming out with a, um, an updated Flyers prospect list. And maybe before the draft, I'll do a kind of State of the Union on the Flyers. We'll see um, how the summer goes. But uh, but yeah, you can always interact with me on Twitter at DSilver88.
1: I think this year your expertise is more geared towards potential trade uh targets for the flyers and it is who they should draft because we don't think they're drafting anybody in the first round but um as for me of course you can follow me on twitter at mark flagman that's a two ends. don't ask me why you can follow this show at underscore getting bullied um again you can find us on soundcloud you can find us on itunes we are now part of the phileas flyer podcast network it is this wonderful show and the wonderful show of the Mother Puckers podcast, which is the all-female podcast that we are happy to be in partnership with. So give them a listen on our SoundCloud as well. So uh, everybody, enjoy your time without Flyers hockey. Enjoy the time from now till the draft. It's only a month and a half away. It'll be here before you know it. Um, And more importantly, enjoy the playoffs because it is absolutely on fire right now. So until we talk to you next time, everybody have a good life and let's go Flyers.